Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. First up, you'll hear from Ron Hutchcraft, speaker on the Award With You radio program. He is passionate about winning people to Christ. He visited Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the 2019 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in California. Some of his reflections are ahead. Also, he is the American record holder for the half marathon and has the fastest personal record by an American in the marathon. Ryan Hall believes that God wants everyone to run the Christian race well with a sense of his purpose. You'll be hearing from our recent conversation. Then from the American Association of Evangelicals, Kelly Kahlberg talked with me recently about some biblical principles that can be applied to the issue of immigration and announced a new Bible study produced in association with Evangelicals for Biblical Immigration. Material from that conversation is coming up. And on this edition of The Intersection, more content from NRB 2019 relative to evangelism. It's successful businessman Barry McGuire of the radio feature Revival Outside the Walls, offering some encouragement regarding seizing opportunities to share and declare the love of Christ. Plus, in her latest book, Anita Agers Brooks encourages Christians to expand their view of God and his desire to work in their lives. Some material from that conversation about discovering what he wants to do is coming up. Finally, comments from Tammy Hudson-Piller discussing the importance of telling one story in order to impact people for the Lord. She related to me about the importance of identifying that story. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Ron Hutchcraft of Ron Hutchcraft Ministries has been involved in evangelistic work for some time, including being the speaker on a five-minute radio broadcast called A Word With You and doing ministry among Native American people. He spoke with me at the 2019 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Anaheim, California, and provided words of challenge and inspiration. Here now from that conversation is Ron Hutchcraft. I thought after a lifetime of youth ministry, if I couldn't be in the room with you and I couldn't look you in the eyes, radio was cold and impersonal. That's what I thought. Oh, I have repented in sackcloth and ashes. I was so wrong about that. I know now that we become a part of somebody's life. Uh, and, And you guys know this. You know, when they see you, of course, they're always disappointed in what we look like. You're like, whoa, you know. The face for radio. No, no, no. Yeah, I'll, I, I'll speak places like at the Billy Graham Training Center at the Cove, and I'll say, now, I can tell which one of you are radio listeners because I look, just look for the disappointed faces because you thought you knew what I look like. So I said, I just have a simple message for those of you who are radio listeners. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, but, but the fact is, it truly is a relationship, and... We move in close in people, like those personal moments I just described a couple minutes ago. And so, um, as I did a little five-minute program in the New York area, which a man said, why don't you do a five-minute radio program? I said, I can't get my name in five minutes. But you know what? I did what I've always done with young people. I told a story. Does this sound familiar? Uh, I got to a scripture from that story, and then I answered like a, so what? So what if that's true? What should, how does that affect my life? And I began to hear from people how that was reaching into hearts and lives. And then the Moody Network took it, and, it, it, and now we're on a, we're on, believe it or not, Bob, God has given us a voice on about 1,200 outlets across, oh my goodness. across the U.S. I can't believe it. And, and um, now um, I speak Mandarin fluently. Well, that's not exactly <laughs> true. 
But actually, I knew you were on some. You were you were up to something. You asked me what language you well, wanted to do this interview in. Yeah, so that's very impressive. I can order in a Chinese <laughs> restaurant, but uh, we uh, God has taken us into the most spoken language in the world. A word with you in China, wow. all over China. A word with you in the second most spoken language, Spanish. English is third, then Hindi. We're in India on in Hindi language, and uh, just recently Arabic, the fifth most wow. spoken language in the world. Um, and I, you know, I just want to say this because everybody, there's something in this for everyone. S the stories that God has me start a word with you with, people are, they will listen and engages a heart when you tell a story in a, in a disarming way. And I want to say that, Bob, you and I and everyone listening right now has a personal story. Your life is a story. Mm, that's so good. And you have a hope story. You have a story of what your, how your life is different with Jesus than it would be without him. You think of the ways someone who's listening right now is living proof that a father can change, a mother can change, a husband, a wife, a son, a daughter. Someone listening is living proof that a temper can change, that an addicted person can change, that a control freak can change. Someone is living proof that Jesus makes all the difference at a funeral, all the mm. difference in the oh, hospital, yeah. all the difference when you get bad news from the doctor, all the difference when you experience a life loss. You have a hope story. Figure out your hope story and tell your hope story because you know, people can argue with your beliefs, Bob, but they can't argue with your story. And that guy True. said, once I True. was blind and now I can see. They said, well, what about Jesus and the Sabbath? You notice they didn't argue with... <laughs> I don't know. You, yeah, but they didn't argue <laughs> with you weren't blind. Yeah. You can't see. Yes, I was. Yes, I can. All I know is in between the difference was Jesus came. We all have a hope story. It is the most powerful. We say, oh, I don't know how to get started. Tell your story. And in the process yeah. of telling your story, tell how his story of what happened on that cross changed your story and could change their story forever. First Peter 3.15 says, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. People, it doesn't say be ready to give a reason for the beliefs that you have or the meetings you go to or the things you don't do. It says give a reason for your hope. What is hope? Something can change that look like would never change. Hmm. That's hope. What's hopeless? This will never change, right? And all of us can see in our life something Jesus changed that no one else ever could have. And that st hope story can lead you to help change somebody else's story and eternity forever. Ron Hutchcraft here on The Intersection. Learn more through the website hutchcraft.com. Next up, it's record-setting runner Ryan Hall. He holds the American record in the half marathon and shared about his walk of faith in Christ and offered words of encouragement to run the Christian race well relative to his book, Run the Mile You're In, Finding God in Every Step. He's the co-founder of the Steps Foundation. Here now is Ryan Hall. Let's rewind back to when I was 13. I had just gotten into the sport of running and I actually hated to run. And so it was a 
full-on transition and, and kind of a God story that, that got me there. Um, but I remember very vividly doing this workout. I grew up in Big Bear Lake in Southern California up in the mountains up there, and it was snowing and those big snowflakes that, you know, come down really gently. And I remember having this thought of, like, what does it take for me to make it to the Olympics? What does it take for me to develop my talent and ability to its very max potential? And I spent the next 20 years figuring that out. And so it was a, a pleasure for me to get to the end of that stretch and be able to reflect back on all the amazing uh, life lessons God taught me through through every race, every workout, every run that I did, and all the different ways I encountered God and He shaped and molded me through this running process and this, this process of trying to become the best version of myself that I could be. So I really wanted to share those things that I learned just in the hope that you know, it will inspire and encourage other people who, who are also trying to maximize their potential, and whether it's running or a sport or as a dad or mom or at work, you know, like I just, I just want to encourage people on their journey. So I'm really hoping people find some good nuggets that help them along. Excellent. Well, you mentioned that God moment when you were 13 years old. That really got you started running, and God walked you through really a, a series of events in your life. So let's let's go back to that time. You were 13 years old, and really God placed something very powerful upon your heart and your life. Yeah, I love telling this story because my life was going a certain direction. I wanted to play professional baseball. I was also playing basketball and football at the time and um, really had no desire to run. And I remember one day I was going down to a basketball game in eighth grade. I was five foot tall and 100 pounds. You can imagine and how much time I was on the court versus on the sideline. I was, I was riding the bench quite a bit. Um, and I remember just as I was looking out over the lake, just kind of feeling like God just kind of dropped this kind of challenge on my, in my heart and in my mind where he's just like, let's try and run around the lake. And so I was gazing out over the lake. It's 15 miles around the lake. And uh, wow. there's something about it. I was like, I have to do this. And so I went home. I told my dad what I wanted to do. And I was really grateful that he didn't gun down my idea because that's not a great entry into the sport of running. Most people don't go from having never run to their first run being 15 miles. But, um, yeah. God knows me. He knows how he created me. He knows I I love epic challenges like that. So he knew it was gateway into the sport. It might not work for someone else, but for me, it, it fit perfectly. So my dad just told me, he's like, all right, if that's what you want to do, let's go do it together. And um, we both laced up our shoes the next Saturday morning, went on a very long, very slow, very painful, excruciating run around the lake. It was not easy. I did not float. I was very human that day and I had to resort to even like soaking my legs in the frigid big bear lake waters um just so i could make it around the lake but i remember uh stumbling through the front door just exhausted super tired and kind of a side note i always tell people if you really want to hear from god get yourself really physically tired and then <laughs> and then start praying <laughs> that's, yeah. that's how i hear best from him anyways um so you know i collapse in the couch i feel like again god is just kind of telling me like and it wasn't anything weird a vision a voice or anything weird it's just like this kind of like inner thing in my heart and mind where it felt like he was telling me i've given you a gift to run with the best guys in the world but i gave you that gift so you can help and love other people 
So, you know, I spent the next 20 years of, of my life going after that. And I went from a kid who hated to run to a kid that was just recklessly going after this passion and this talent and trying to cultivate it, nurture it, develop into all that it can be. And it was, uh, it was, it was my craft. It was my passion for 20 years. And now, you know, being at the end of the journey, I've realized that all those things I learned along the way, I thought they were for me. And I think they were to some extent, but I think they're always meant to be shared with other people. Like I think our journeys are not isolated from each other they're meant to be shared together and so you know that's why i wrote the book i'm so excited to to share with people ryan hall here on the intersection learn more by visiting the website thestepsfoundation.org kelly kahlberg is founder of the american association of evangelicals and recently she discussed with me a resource called wise welcome the bible and immigration published in association with Evangelicals for Biblical Immigration, designed to provide biblical concepts regarding the immigration issue. From that conversation, this is Kelly Kulberg. The belief is that biblical wisdom is the highest love for people. And so what we have here is a, should have is a conversation about the nature of love. And I was a missionary in seven summers in, in Latin America and Central America, and what I realized is under the Obama years, World Relief, uh, World Vision, uh, Lutheran Immigration Services, Catholic Charities, a lot of these groups were so hugely funded by the State Department uh, and turned into a billion-dollar industry, as well as these foundations I mentioned, that they began shutting down Christian missions in foreign countries, and they began to prioritize mass migration to America, um, and, and it was really a political project, and it still is. We know these caravans are coming. There are ties to George Soros and others, and they're, they're doing politics, and, we, and it's hurting human beings. So whenever the strongest leave a country, I, I was a missionary in Guatemala and El Salvador, who is left behind but the vulnerable grandparents or children. Sometimes the children are brought El Norte and they're abused in many ways. Um, it's terrible for foreign countries where we have been sharing the gospel. And it's also um, unwise uh, in terms of mass migration to America. What we see in Scripture is uh, both the embrace of a—there are four terms, I won't get in the weeds, but there are four categories in Scripture for, for foreigner. One is like a Ruth or Rahab, the word is ger in Hebrew, G-E-R, um, and that person's to be embraced. He or she comes as a really almost like a convert or a blessing to assimilate and bless the culture. Um, many of our great-grandparents came that way. Um, and then there are two words for temporary guest workers or students kind of to be treated kindly as they're passing through or visiting. There's a, there's a fourth category, the, the czar or the nakar, and that person uh, comes unlawfully, and, and that person actually is not to be received as a citizen, um, in, in Hebrew, it would be either a squatter or sometimes even an enemy. 
So where we see, uh, for example, in Europe now, mass migration and open borders, that again was funded by Soros' Open Society Foundation for 40 years, uh, legislation and so forth. We now see churches burning down. I'm not talking about Notre Dame. We don't know about that, but we know there are hundreds of churches that have been mm-hmm. burned down. Yeah. And so are Christians really going to participate in foolish, undiscerning migration? God laments that in Scripture. Uh, Nehemiah was rebuilding faith, culture, and and the walls around Jerusalem. Uh, Isaiah 1, God laments um, uh, when a a nation is overtaken um, by foreigners, and he goes into great detail about it. The religious left won't tell you about those verses. And so I, God loves us all, and he gives us the Bible as a beautiful instruction book about growing a flourishing culture, like a garden that takes wisdom. And that's what we're called to. Kelly Kahlberg here on The Intersection. Learn more through the website AmericanEvangelicals.com. This is the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by going to the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center marked Meeting House On Demand through which you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on The Intersection. The Intersection is also available through that Media Center, and you can subscribe to it via iTunes. Two blogs are accessible through the Meeting House homepage. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. The other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House. You can also follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. And there is a link to video content, including recently added content from NRB 2019. Content from the Meeting House program is also available through the Faith Radio app. Learn more when you go to faithradio.org. And... Content is also available through a number of other apps. Find out more when you visit the Meeting House homepage. Well, this is the Intersection Podcast. Back now to NRB 2019, Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central. Barry McGuire is heard on the radio feature Revival Outside the Walls. He visited with me and talked about ways that Christians can be more effective in impacting people for Christ. From that NRB conversation, here's Barry McGuire. Most Christians, I must say, in my experience, who love the Lord, love their pastor, giving sacrificially, going on missions, whatever, actually kind of pride themselves on being good people. When you ask uh, an audience or on a poll, how many share your faith, you get about a 35 percentile return that yes. But when you talk to them, you find out they feel like they're witnessed by being a good person. But being good doesn't get you or anybody else into heaven. But when you let people know you're a good person and you're a Christian, and you don't have to say, I'm a church, I'm a Christian, I know I go to church. You find whimsical ways to say it. Like, I have to say, you know, I go to El Cholo, you know, I, you know El Cholo restaurant, I go there every Sunday after church. And what I just do? I let them know without them even realizing I go to church every Sunday. You know, my pastor said the funniest story on Sunday. He started talking about <laughs> this. He's hilarious. I love my pastor, Greg Laurie. You know, you've probably heard of him. What, and, and who's who's that again? <laughs> <laughs> and so there's fun ways to let people know you're a Christian, you go to church, that are not offensive. And you'll never offend people. Get this, you'll never offend people by telling them that God loves them. We're so good at telling people they're, in, they're sinning, uh, they're going to hell. The church can do that well. But you go to the worst of people and you tell them God loves them, they can't accept it. 
Yeah. He can't because after all they've done, he can't possibly love me. It's, and I've had people say, "Yes, he does," and and I, I've said it to them, and they, and they look at me like, "No." And when I see that's impossible for them to comprehend, I'll say to them, "You know, it gets even better than that." I'm a Christian. I know my Bible. I know what I'm talking about now. God not only loves you; He loves you as much as He's ever loved anybody. Think of it. What? Yes, He loves you as much as he loved the Apostle Paul. He loves you as much as he loves his own son, Jesus Christ. That stops him in their tracks. That doesn't offend people. And he has one goal for you, that you spend eternity with in heaven. That doesn't get people mad at you. I don't care who they are. I don't care how foul they are, how far away from God they are. That will not drive them away. Mm. You know, Even if they don't want to talk about it, they can't get away from it. And you've planted that thought in their mind. And you just want to, if you just move them a skosh. So they walk away, they say, that was a nice person and they're a Christian, and they're telling me there's a God that loves me. Now, you just commit her to the Lord. It's a team sport. We can't, True. We can't, True. you know. But thank God for deeper programs. Thank God for the programs that give real fiber. So when you're re- reaching somebody and bring them across the finish line, thank God for those, and I use those. But 99% of the time, it's spontaneous moments. You see the clerk in the store, and they're downcast. Are you Okay. You'd be surprised how fast they say, oh, my daughter's this. What's your name? I'll, I'll pray for your daughter. Mm. And you come back the next time, and you go into that same checkout line, and you say, how's Susan doing? What? Well, you told me about Susan. I've been praying for Susan every day for the last week. What? Why would you do that? Well, God just put it on my heart. Uh, what's new? Well, how more can I pray for her? You think you're not moving that person? You're this, moving. You just have to just be a little, intentional. There's a little step. Yep. And, and so you just have to be, and it's easy, and it's fun. And every day is an adventure. And every time you walk, walk away with those encounters, I picture the joy of the Lord is my strength. I picture giving God joy. I can't picture God's face, but I can picture Jesus' face. And every time I walk away, I know God just used me. I walk away, and I just kind of have a little jig. I just have a bounce <laughs> on myself because I'm picturing Jesus looking down on me and saying, way to go, Barry. You just you did exactly what I wanted you to do right then. And cool. something that, that the Holy Spirit can really use to encourage us is the fact that we do run into, we interface with, we come in contact with lost people, people that don't know Continually. Christ. Auto, yes, We're auto, surrounded continu- by yeah. them. Everywhere. I have pastors tell me, well, you're in the world, I'm not. I'm passing. Pastor, uh, seriously, do you ever go to a restaurant? <laughs> do you ever go to Walmart? You know, do, you, do, you, do you ever sit in a waiting room? Are you ever on an airplane? 90% of the time, they're not saved. They're lost. 90%. Mm. And 86% of those want to know there's a God, are looking for somebody to tell them. I have never offended when you love them. And they'll open up their lives. People open their lives so fast to you. I've done it. i got to tell you, I've been sharing my faith for 45 years, whatever. It's never been easier than now with the world in such turmoil <sighs> and chaos. People need hope. Everybody knows it's out of control, and they're looking for hope. People are looking for hope. They're looking for something solid. Millennials are looking for something genuine. They should be looking for something. They've seen all the phonies of Christianity. And when you come in and you give them the reality of Jesus Christ, there is a God that loves them and wants to bless them and direct their steps and stuff. It's mind-boggling. Barry McGuire here on the Intersection Podcast. Learn more through the website rotw.com. I had a chance recently to talk with author and speaker Anita Eggers-Brooks. She's a certified life coach and discussed material relative to her book, Exceedingly Spiritual Strategies for Living on Purpose, With Purpose, and for an Abundant Purpose, 
From that conversation, this is Anita Eggers-Brooks. Back 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago, Bob, I was one of those people that I must confess, I I kind of toyed with God. I wasn't even 100% sure that God even existed. And if I ever had any interaction with God, it was usually because I wanted something. Otherwise, I kind of would put him on the back shelf and, you know, maybe hope he would have his hand over his eyes and over his ears sometimes um, and not necessarily see or hear some of the choices that I was making. But in 1997, I ended up donating my kidney. It was truly one of the most life-changing experiences of my life. I'm an advocate um, for organ donation and for, you know, living donors. But I did have an experience after the surgery. Surgery itself went beautifully. After the surgery, though, very rare and unusual thing happened to me. I had a severe allergic reaction to a pain med that they gave me, and it almost cost me my life. Now, you might think that, that I would think of that as a negative experience, but I don't. It actually has been probably the most positive experience that's ever happened to me because what happened in those moments where I came so close to death was I realized that if I did die, I wasn't sure where I was spending eternity. Mm. I did not have that assurance. And so I wasn't even able to speak. I was in that place where physically I could not, but mentally I cried out to God. And I asked him to save me. I didn't know whether my life would be saved, but I asked him to save my soul. I asked him to forgive me of my sins, my mistakes, my mess-ups in my life. And I could feel his presence, and that may sound odd, and I will tell you, before it happened to me, I would have been one of those skeptical people, but I know what happened. It wasn't meds. I wasn't asleep. I wasn't unconscious. I was fully awake. And from that point on, my life was saved, obviously, but I made a commitment to God that I would not toy with him again. Because, Bob, I don't ever want to come that close to death again and wonder where I'm going. So I live today by Job 13:15 from the Bible. And that verse says, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Hmm. And what I have learned since then is, you know, like I said, I was skeptical. I was one of those people, if someone would have asked me, I would have responded this way. Well, I believe in God. Now, I can't say that I was 100% convinced when I would respond that way, but that's what I would have said. Well, since then, God has shown me through his word, because I'd never read the entire Bible. Now I'm, I don't even know, I'm on my ninth or tenth read-through of it. But having read the entire Bible, I became convinced that God is absolutely real, and the Bible is his living word. And it's as applicable today as it was thousands of years ago when it was penned. And it has transformed and changed my life. The successes that I have had, I can attribute back to reading the Bible, reading Scripture, and asking myself, so how does this apply to me today? How is this relevant? What is God trying to show me? What do I need to do differently? What do I need to do more of, do less of, based on what I'm reading here? And when I began to really apply that word and make it active in my life, that's when some really positive things changed and began to happen. And since then, he's taught me that when I now interact with someone who says, well, you know, Anita, I believe in God, 
he's taught me to ask a question. And the question is simply this, Bob. I ask, do you believe God as well as believe in God? Because if we believe God, then we dare to believe that the promises that he makes in his word are as true for us as they are for other people, and we begin to live like it. And that is faith. And that, to me, leads to that exceedingly abundant life that Jesus promised us, but that, frankly, too many of us don't have the faith to live out. Anita Eggers Brooks here on The Intersection. Her website address is anitabrooks.com. Her podcast website is tendyourdreams.com. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection, it's president of Total Life Coach, Tammy Hudson-Piller, creator of the six-lesson study entitled Story Club, The Course, highlighted the importance of a person telling his or her story in order to impact their own lives as well as the lives of others. From that conversation, this is Tammy Hudson-Piller. The Bible is replete with parables and story and experiences that we relate to. We read the Word of God, and it's inspired by God, but we make that connection through story. And I believe that every opportunity, every difficulty, every heartache, and every joyful experience needs to be told and explained. And let me, let me kind of set up a little bit of where this all burst. My mother um, is an incredible woman of God, and um, she had gone through a very difficult time in her life as a child, was given up for adoption, and was abused as a child. And many of the things of her past, we did not know as her four daughters. But a few years ago, when we were home visiting her, we were going through our photo albums and our bins of memorabilia. At the bottom of my bin, Bob, was an envelope on it that said, My Story. And my mother had taken the time to write out, to handwrite. She didn't have a laptop like we have today or iPhones to dictate story. She did it old school. She wrote out page by page her story. And Bob, what that did to her four daughters is it set us, um, it just set us back, to be honest with you. We did not know all the painful experiences that my mother had gone through Because by the time we came along, she had accepted faith in Christ. She had married my dad and became active in the local church. And we grew up in a very stable, wonderful Christian home. But the backstory of my mother was a story that none of us had heard. And what it did, Bob, it helped me understand that I cannot be a victim in my own story, that I cannot allow the pain points or the setbacks or the difficulty or what the enemy meant to harm me to keep me in my past, that I could be a victor. So I started Story Club based on the power of my mother's story, the power of the redemption in Jesus Christ, to teach people how to tell their story. And again, as a life coach, I walk through video after video teaching you how to tell your story and not allow the enemy to rob, steal, and destroy you of the most beautiful gift you have, and that's your story. Well, you talk about your mother and how she shared. So tell me about how that impacted you as far as telling your own personal story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, without taking too much time, so much of my mother's story, I just this one little picture that she wrote was um, her mother was giving her for adoption. This would have been in 1939. I just want your, your listeners to think about this. It's 1939 you know, right before the war, during this time in our country, her mother's giving her up for adoption because she had been 
abused by the mother's boyfriend. She is walking from orphanage to orphanage to orphanage only to be rejected because all the orphanages are full. And she begins to tell this story of rejection. And all of a sudden, I'm looking over at my sweet little mother at, at, at 88 years old as I'm reading the pages, and I'm thinking, I never knew the spirit of rejection that my mother had on her. And it took me back to all the times where I felt rejected, rejected in school, rejected by a boyfriend, rejected in a marriage, rejected in ministry, rejected. And I, all of a sudden, my mother, there was, this, there was this connection, Bob, that I had. Because I didn't have to walk the streets of St. Louis being rejected. And it helped me understand what the enemy tried to use in my mother's life, the spirit of rejection. Holy Spirit set my mother free when she became a child of God. And she understood who she was in Christ. So the platform for which I teach and I coach is the enemy wants to try to keep us stuck in our shame, stuck in our experience. We want to place blame. We want to be a victim, especially in our culture and generation today, Bob. As you know, we live in a day of victims. We live in a day of I can't, I won't. And so what I like to teach is God set us free from all the shame in our, in our experience. And honestly, what most people tell me that I coach, Bob, is they say, I don't have a story. And let me say, oh, my friend, you do have a story. And the pain points and the difficulty and the victories. Those are the things that you can share. Those are the connection points. And did you know that you can pay your story forward? Do you know that you can speak to the next generation with your story like my mother did with me? And, and she said to me, Tammy, you can move forward. You can, you can have life. You can be life-giving. You can be an overcomer. And those kinds of things are what I like to teach in Story Club. I love to teach people how to take those difficulties and use those to pay that forward to the next generation. And that was Tammy Hodson-Pillar here on The Intersection. Learn more at Tammy Hodson-Pillar, that's H-O-T-S-E-N-P-I-L-L-E-R.com. Well, we're about to wrap up this edition of The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. Find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or go to the programming section at faithradio.org. There on the homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center through which you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on The Intersection Podcast. The current episode and previous editions of The Intersection can be found in the Media Center as well. Plus, you can subscribe to The Intersection via iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. The other is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. You can also follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. And there is a link to video content through The Meeting House homepage. You can also find out the apps through which you can gain access to content from The Meeting House program. And Meeting House content is also found through the Faith Radio app. Learn about downloading the app for your smartphone or tablet by going to our website at faithradio.org. Well, thanks for joining me for this edition of The Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.